0: Hi, all, Crystal Cheatham here. It's been a while since our last podcast, and I'm here to say that Alba and I are working very hard on a season full of episodes. Those will be coming out the second week of November, and we hope you will hang around with us until then. Um, In the meantime, I had the pleasure of interviewing two people who have had a lasting impact on the LGBT faith community. And honestly, while their work doesn't get the attention it deserves, they are making waves and are having a profound impact on the lives that they touch as a side note i want to apologize because the audio is a little shoddy but since this is a very special topic um i wanted to get it out there and i guess i'll say listen at your own risk (laughs) take care and um, look for a new season of lord have mercy with reverend alba starting on november 10th okay
1: bye When I gave my heart and my genitals and everything else to Jesus. Alright, this is it. Everybody laugh. Everybody break up. See? Gotta laugh. Real Bible. They have a Bible for every demographic. Like there's the grandmother's Bible, oh, yes. the grandmother hunter Bible. I mean, like, I don't care what demographic. <laughs> and so I was like, but what Bible should I have? And I was like, you know, I'm queer, um, peace loving, um, you know, what where, where's my Bible? And I was like, I need to dig matters into my own.
0: I'm your host, Crystal Cheatham, and today you are listening to Lord Have Mercy. Peterson Toscano is here to talk to us about his times performing on the stage, about sexuality, the Bible, and transformations. If you haven't seen him before, then you need to check out his website and buy a ticket. You can read his work on the Huffington Post and get a hint of his performance genius by tuning into his YouTube page. Find these links and more at crystalcheatham.com slash podcast.
1: Hello, Peterson, and welcome to the show. Well, Crystal, thanks so much. It's great to connect with you again and see you you know going into all sorts of different areas, and I have a soft spot for podcasts.
0: So I wanted to ask you, what is your current project? What are you working on right now?
1: So my newest show is called Everything is Connected, An Evening of Stories, Most Weird, Many True.
0: Okay. Can you unravel that title just like a little bit yeah. so we get a sense of what it's about?
1: The show it comes in three acts and it seems like they have nothing to do with each other. So the first act is homo nomo, where I talk about the 17 years where I tried to de-gay myself for Jesus yeah. for, and for lots of reasons. But part of it was to regain lost power and privilege. Because as a white man in the evangelical church, I was seen as a feminized man. And so I started bumping up against the stained glass ceiling that women already were experiencing experiencing. So Mm -hmm. I unpacked that act two is called transfigurations. And it's about the shock that I found when I came out, I had all sorts of misconceptions about queer people. I mean, I had lots of negative stuff from the church. But I also had this weird notion that this is the most accepting community on the planet. Mm. And I (laughs) psych. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I found out, oh, my gosh, uh, I'm hanging out with these other white gay cisgender guys and you know lovely they accepted me and all but they were really misogynistic and sexist and anti-trans as well and right? racist and classist and yes. i was like wait a minute i didn't spend almost 20 years of oppression to find myself in a rainbow clad version of the same damn thing oh lord preach Right? <laughs> yes. I mean, can we learn anything from oppression other than how to be good oppressors so mm. i realized i needed to to preach to the choir And I needed to teach him a new song. Um, And uh, and I needed to learn, particularly about gender issues and transgender. So in the second act, I talk about what I discovered when I interviewed a a lot of trans people. And then I looked at the Bible to see, are there gender nonconforming Bible characters in the Bible? And I found a load of them, including Joseph and that amazing technicolor dream coat, uh, which in Hebrew could also be interpreted as a princess dress. That's my favorite one, I have to tell you, when you talk about that. <laughs> so, I, I do that scene and I unpack it and I show that, like, one way is to talk about someone who's gendered different and the reaction from the family who uh, attack him and attack the garment and how he responds in a very different way that wasn't typical for a man. Uh, he, he brought about peace work uh, at a time when it was very much about revenge. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and not that men can't do that, but he sort of modeled a new way of expressing that. So that's the second Mm -hmm. act. Um, And it's talking about how, like, yeah, we're all queer and we're supposed to be all in the same boat, right? We should treat each other the same way. And then the third act, I say, I joke, I say, well, of course, this leads us to global warming, right? I mean, it's the most obvious thing, and the audience is so confused. And I start talking about (laughs) climate change and how it, you know, it is about human rights about who is affected by it and I use comedy and I use storytelling uh, because it needs to be because people are so freaked out by this. They're told that they should be afraid and they should be ashamed. And from years of doing queer theology and stuff, fear and shame are the worst motivators of all.
0: I'm going to need you to perform (laughs) that whole thing just so that I don't feel so much like I've been hit with a ton of bricks. Yeah. Really? My mind is spinning. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> that's, wow, yeah, that's great. You must have, how did you, how did you, okay, first of all, I know that you go about like this whole, you know, queer Christian thing with so much humor. Um, and so, my question, how were you able to hold on to your faith after you came out of this ex gay therapy?
1: Well, it was hard because for years I was told you can't be gay and Christian. So that's why I tried to destroy the gay. Boxing. Right? Right. And then when I mm-hmm. came out, similarly from a lot of LGBTQ folks, religion was looked down upon, particularly Christianity, because right? you know, well, obviously that's the number one oppressor. The, you know, it was the Christian church, it has been the Christian church in America that has organized, funded, and perpetuated all of the anti LGBT legislation. I mean, they have stood yeah. up as our enemies. At, and I had one lesbian say, a gay Christian? That's like being a Jewish Nazi.
0: Oh, my God, right?
1: But I can see but... why she would think that. Well, because because yeah. she only thinks Christian. She thinks one type of Christian, because people have hijacked exactly. that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and this like what Obama is saying about why he won't say Islamic extreme terrorism, you know, or Islamic terrorism, because he's like, I don't want to define Islam as just this handful of people who are doing this, when there are so many different types of Muslims in the world, most of whom yeah. are our partners, and it's Muslims that are being hurt by ISIS more than anybody else globally. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. so, but I had this struggle, and I actually attempted for a time to be an atheist. I aspire to atheism because I thought I guess there's nothing in this for me and I felt this real loss in my life Uh and I recognized you know I'm wired for God just like I'm gay I'm wired for God it's part of me I'm existential I need to have some sort of divine connection and I know that's not true for everybody and I I respect that But for me, I needed to do something. Now, I I don't choose to be a person of faith. That's kind of part of who I am. I do choose to be a Christian, though from a mm-hmm. Quaker persuasion. Um, I could have chosen to go in lots of different directions, as many people do. And I think it is healthy for people who have been abused by the Christian church to maybe find a different expression. But for me, Christianity makes a lot of sense. I'm a Bible scholar. I find some very, very cool things about Jesus. And uh, and that's what makes sense for me. So it was about a matter of being authentic.
0: I, I totally I totally agree with that. That it is... Um... You have to find your authenticity. I also see, I mean, I'm listening to your story about like coming out of the church and it resonates so much with mine. You know, like when I was in the church, there was this sense of just being completely sheltered from this scary bad thing that the world was. And I have to admit that when I did come out of the church and I jumped into the LGBT community, I personally found it hypersexualized. You know, like everything just felt like it was about sex, but then you know, once I started to push away from the Christian side of it and kind of embrace what it was to be queer, I saw that it wasn't just about sex. It was like this expression of gender and gender gender identity and all these different ways that you can be this, this expressive spiritual person, right? Um, and so for me, spirituality is something that we all kind of have, you know, and it's like you said, it's just figuring out the best way of expressing that, which is why I'm creating the, the, our Bible app, because I see that spirituality is a spectrum, right? Um, I, just because you're atheist doesn't mean that you, um, don't have, um, a a need and a desire to, to meditate and connect with something bigger than you. Same with agnostic people, same with, you know, you know basically anybody along the spectrum right and so i'm on your side i'm like we really need to figure out a way to make make um god and and spirituality accessible to everybody Mm -hmm. right um and so this leads me to my next question i read your huffington post article i friggin loved it and you're comparing your ex-gay therapy to unbreakable kimmy schmidt which is an amazing show I mean, it's just, it's, it's like, it's, it's really hard to watch that and, and listen to her encounters of like rape. Um, but also like, I think so much of us, it resonates with us. And you have this, we, um, in your Huffington post article, you finished with this one quote and I just want to leave it at that and see what you have to say about it. So you said watching Kimmy Schmidt navigate her new world. I recognize that after being, after breaking out of my bunker, like closet, I did not simply come out gay. no day by day, I came out more and more myself.
1: Yeah, I mean, I felt like I was in a time capsule and I was released because culturally, I cut myself off for 17 mm-hmm. years from pop music. I'm still discovering music from the 90s that I didn't know existed. I'm like, oh, I never heard that song before. It's like, yeah, that was a big hit, missed it. Um, so I'm finding like, I, like there was this whole cultural world, but also I felt as soon as I came out of the closet, it was like a community... And, you know, embraced me, but it also sort of handed me a whole wardrobe and set of ideas and cultural identity that I wasn't yet comfortable to put on. I, you know, I was basically told as a gay man, these are the musicians you like. Uh, this yeah. is the clothes that you wear. These are your politics. Uh, these are your interests.
0: That's the same thing they tell you as a Christian. Oh, yeah. They're like these these are the, this is the music you listen to. This is what you do on a Saturday or a Sunday. You know, and this is the way that you dress. So, how did you like how did how did you recognize that um, it was the same kind of system and how did you break out of it? Obviously humor was a big part of that.
1: Well, I think because I recognize what it's like to be in a community where conformity is essential to survival and mm-hmm. acceptance. And I got just terribly tired of that because when I was in the ex-gay movement, they weren't just concerned with oppressing and stopping my sexuality, but literally my entire personality, creativity, art, humor, everything. And I was like, I don't want to be put into a box here. And so I felt that immediately and I and I um, pushed against it. And it is, I have to say, in this in our political climate, it's really hard to be part of a tribe and then have an idea that doesn't line up exactly with the tribe. I mean, you can, you risk being ostracized, being shamed, people unfriending you, just because your opinion's a little different on a, a point. And I think it's so important to to be authentic. And the more I'm the kind of queer that is really me, I think it gives more people models of like, how they can be, that they don't have to be the cookie cutter. Uh, so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. But, but also it was like a scary time because I wanted to build community, but I didn't want to lose people just because they didn't agree with my politics at the moment or my cultural choices.
0: Absolutely. Do you have a message you wish you could share with the LGBT community? you have a message for folks who feel more spiritual than religious maybe you have written a key meditation that you believe could help people who are in your similar situation but you haven't quite found the platform yet our bible app wants to help you get the word out now is your chance to become a contributor to the unique and ever-growing devotional library let your words change the world and the perception of christianity everywhere simply go to crystalcheatham.com slash submissions you can find out more about submitting your own devotional to our bible app when I saw you in Philadelphia, it was in uh, this this bookstore, um, this like queer activist amazing bookstore, and it you you had this part of your of your of your play where you drilled a hole through a Bible. I still have that Bible, and like it took me just like like so many months to wrap my head around like how how was this not sacrilegious like how how am I okay with this <laughs> but it was amazing do you want to talk about that
1: yeah you know it's funny I loved I love that that play um, so much Transfigurations no that wasn't Transfigurations that one no. that was um, oh, gosh well, I'm forgetting was it Jesus had... you were talking about different parts
0: of the Bible yeah right? yeah
1: yeah it was um, Jesus had two daddies yeah yeah <laughs> And sadly, it was a show that I thought was really well put together, but people were afraid of it. Um, And it was sort of like my homo nomo part two, like what happened after I came out. And in the play, I do a couple things. One, I recreate some of the major prayers in my life, including when I gave my heart and my genitals and everything else to Jesus. Uh Um, The prayer I prayed the day that I got married to a woman the the prayer i prayed after 2 years of marriage the first time i masturbated I had no idea. yeah oh my I god remember that scene <laughs> remember that scene um, and then i masturbated for the first time after 2 years of marriage and we believed that demons had infested our home and so there was this like warrior prayer to cast out the devil in our house um That's... we had this strange antiquated look and then i end by talking about the bible because i tell bible stories as well and um you know, the reality is to live in the modern age, everybody, I don't care what's your religious persuasion. If you read the Bible, you you have to overlook certain things or else we'd be stoning each other to death. You know, there'd be like all sorts of wild right. stuff going on. So we do that intellectually all the time. If you're an evangelical, if you're a fundamentalist, if you're Catholic, if you're queer, what, queer uh, liberal, whatever. And so I was like, well, I went out and I saw all these... Um, these custom bibles they have they have a bible for every demographic like there's the grandmother's bible oh, yes. the grandmother hunter bible i mean like i don't care what demographic <laughs> and so i was like but what bible should i have and i was like you know i'm queer um i'm peace loving um you know what where's my bible and i was like i need to take matters into my own hands yeah just what i think we have to do post christian experience of the traditional church and so I started decorating. If you remember, I started decorating the Bible. I put some stickers on it, some rainbows, and I put like Peterson's Bible or something like that. Yeah. And I said, but there's still something missing. And that's when I clamped it down on a piece of wood, took out a power drill, um, oh, yeah. which was like the, the a size of like a doorknob, you know, or even bigger. Mm-hmm. And I just drilled through it on stage, which I know was a subversive, transgressive, startling act. Yes, it was. I mean, you know, as a kid,
0: you know, growing up in this Seventh-day Adventist world, I was half taught that, like, you don't even lay your Bible on, on, on certain surfaces, you know? So, like, the Bible being an extension of God's Word was like this holy thing, you know? And to me, that was crazy. Yeah. To me, that was just like, it completely blew my mind. But to this day, I still, you know, I, you were the first person who talked to me about Joseph, Kind of being a trans guy, right? Joseph and his many coat of colors completely like blew my mind. Um, you were the first. I remember. The, what's the story of? I think you're narrating Jesus's birth, <laughs> and you kind of make with your hands like this, like this faux vagina, and Jesus' face popping out. And like, I can't even remember what the story was about, but I do remember that part and just like how conflicted I felt. Like number one, this is funny. But number two, I'm still so close to my religious upbringing that I don't know
1: what to do with this. Well, we have these highly spiritualized stories about things that are really real. I mean, like here you have a teenager, Mary, um, Uh probably 15 years old, maybe the oldest. And a male figure who says that they're an angel appears in her room in the middle of the night, says, don't be afraid. Creepy, <laughs> right? I'm, you know, I'm speaking on behalf of like God, this higher authority. It's kind of like this hush hush, like really don't tell anybody about this. But and then it ends up in a pregnancy. Typically, that is not a miraculous story. That is not a holy story. Typically, it is very rare yeah. that that is a holy story. And to tell that story and not acknowledge that there's so much sexual assault of of girls mm-hmm. and boys that this normally ends badly. <laughs> I think it's irresponsible not to, to bring in the human aspect at some point. And, you know, similarly the birth was, you know, was, it was cruel, bloody mess, you know, um, you know, and beautiful at the same time. And, and that reality, even just like Jesus coming out of the womb, like the, the harsh reality of being in a womb into the real world, um, you know, and a really harsh. They lived in a police state. It wasn't a nice place to live back then. And I think, that helps people. I mean, I, I actually, at the end of the day, I really don't care what people think about the Bible. I mean, it's up for interpretation in many ways. I care about how people see the world around us today. And to me, that's good theology. If it makes us more sensitive to our neighbors, if it makes us more aware of suffering and injustice, well then, yeah, I like reading the Bible for that.
0: Oof. Yeah. I mean, it, but it takes some, does it take trained eyes to see the Bible as like, a book for activists, or does it just take um, divorcing yourself from um, heteronormative, patriarchal Christianity <laughs> to see it that way?
1: Um, I, I mean, obviously, there's some real training that's that's needed to, to read the Bible at times, because it's a cultural interpretation and not just a, a literal word interpretation. Mm-hmm. Like when they say, you know, it's easier mm-hmm. for a rich man to get in harder for a rich man to get into heaven than a camel to go through an eye of a needle. In modern times, we're thinking of sewing, and that's the needle that we're thinking of. But in ancient cities, um, there were walled cities with big gates, but there was often a little back door. There was this very small door, and it was called the eye of the needle. And in order for a camel to get through it, you had to empty off everything on his back, and camels could get on their knees and kind of crawl through so that's where it goes yeah go. right so like it's a cultural reference. like it makes a lot of sense when so we're thinking like well i guess a rich man's never going to get into heaven if he's got to go through an island <laughs> right. but it's about you know having a detachment to your worldly goods uh taking them off that camel and stripping it down um you know and and in relationships that's important if people are always boasting about who they are and what they have well how can you have a relationship with that person they're so caught up in their things yeah. So, so I think it does require some training, but not essentially. I think it requires having eyes, like putting a lens on it. So like sometimes I'm very interested in people's bodies in Bible stories. <laughs> so, you know, as a white Christian, in both in the Catholic and evangelical churches, I heard the story of the Ethiopian eunuch a billion times. Well, not quite. Yeah. But this was never told to me as someone who is an African, who is a person Oof. of color. Hmm. It was just the Ethiopian eunuch, like the Roman centurion and the, the, the Phoenician woman. And it was just like their name because they didn't even have a name. Yeah, And it was so important when I did research about that eunuch for transfigurations to really figure this out identity that the writer includes. We learn so much about this character in the short story in Acts chapter 8. We find out this is a black, African, surgically altered, gender variant, rich, civil servant, who is a literate foreigner and a person of faith. That's the first baptism in the early church. I can't. That's a lot. And then
0: he becomes the first Christian convert or the first...
1: Yeah. uh, Goes back to Ethiopia and the church in Ethiopia traces their roots to that very person.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it so much. And so, yeah, I see that you would would need a bit of um, an understanding of the Bible in order to delve into it. If you don't have an understanding of the Bible or you were somebody who was just like beat over the head with it your entire life and like pushed away from it, how would you suggest coming back to it like what
1: is the best entry point you know, what's hard about it is we're already told how to interpret a story so it's hard to see it in a fresh way mm-hmm. and that's why performance is really helpful because i can start telling mm-hmm. a bible story and they don't know what the bible story is
0: so yeah. they can see
1: it with with fresh eyes so i think sometimes finding a a translation that is um Just more interesting, modern, has a different twist on it, puts it into modern language. There's a great uh, translation of the New Testament called Good as New. It Mm -hmm. was translated by John Henson, who is this wonderful British scholar, pastor. And it just, it's like reading the New Testament for the first time. And he even changes some of the names. Instead of Simon Peter, he calls him Rocky. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Because his name Petros is about rock. And that's Jesus' play on the word, you know, on this church, on this rock. I will build my church. Um, And so, like, that helps, I think, looking at it that way. And I think sometimes, like, I like theater and staging things out. And sometimes just physically walking through the story and, like, kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, like, even if it's just you alone, like, putting cups and things to represent the different characters, just having a visual is really helpful to, to yeah. see some of these things.
0: Peterson, thank you so much. Where, where can somebody see your work? Because I don't think And if everyone knows how much of a hero you are to me, (laughs) you're freaking amazing, especially in like the queer Christian world. I think everybody um, fawns over your name when it's brought up. So where can we
1: see you next? Well, thank you very much. I'm touring Pennsylvania for fall of 2016. So I just was at Villanova. I'll be at Allegheny. I'll be in Westchester, different places uh, next in the spring, I'm probably going to be in Florida, but I've got lots oh. of stuff online. Um, my website is petersontoscano.com. I have mm-hmm. a YouTube channel. Just look for Peterson Toscano or if you, even that you can't find that. Just look at like like for like transgender Bible characters. You probably will find yeah. me that way. And I'm podcasting a lot. Now I have, I've been podcasting mm-hmm. about this intersection of queer issues and climate mm-hmm. change and talk about it a different way. So I have a website called climate stew like the stew that you eat. So it's climate stew.com and there's 50 episodes of this and I'm in character. So I'm like playing all sorts of characters, you know, church ladies and, you know, all sorts of folks. And I have, and they're also on YouTube. So there's that. And I have a new podcast I do now. It's called citizens climate radio, where it's a lot about story storytelling around climate change
0: podcasts are so fun and i have seen some of your videos and i would suggest everyone go watch them because they're so on point and hilarious especially the one about the bathroom um,
1: that's my church lady yeah total church yes! lady drag i'm doing and i tweet a lot so my my twitter account okay. is p2son p2son P2. <laughs>
0: Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to find out more about Peterson, please visit his website or go to crystalcheatham.com slash podcast to learn more about his work and how you can get involved. And don't forget, we're still fundraising for our Bible app. So you can also go to crystalcheatham.com slash our Bible app and give a donation today. Okay, bye.